Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, I never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. I can't Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. It's our 100th show. We done made it. Can't believe it that we done made it. Zim, say what's up to the people. Hello, world. 100. What's what's up? Hey, hey, I'm doing a show, bro. 100 shows later, here we are. Who they nation? And we're going to do something different tonight. We're going to let you guys kind of control the show. We're going to give back to the fans. We'll let you guys ask whatever questions that you want to ask and pick whichever topics that you want. And we will, I think, try to do this for like 25 25 to 30 minutes. Uh, Appreciate all the love. I got some people going in on the chat right now. Uh, I'm going to try to show all of these that I can. So shout out to Nick Harvey. Shout out to John Doe. Uh, shout out to Bryson Thompson. It's a whole bunch of y'all in here. Um, so I'll start with the first question that I think that I'm seeing in here. And it's John Doe. So you don't know. He says, who are your head coaching candidates, young and old? Then who are your candidates, young and old? I feel like we've talked about this a lot. But right. I know. I don't want to be repetitive. I don't want to be repetitive, but uh, thank you all, though. Let me just start off by saying I really appreciate this. We came together, like, not too long. It doesn't feel like that long, like we've done 100 shows, but I'm really, really excited that people are still sticking with it, rocking with the team, more importantly, because it takes a very, very special person to be a Bengals fan. So I want to definitely say thank you to you guys for being loyal to your team. That is very much saying something. Uh, To address the question, I've said this before, younger, I guess Joe Brady would be on the younger side for me. I don't know exactly how old he is. Uh, and then to go older, I was thinking like, Eberflus is not really that old, but but my choices were Eberflus, Harbaugh, uh, enemy, and what was the other? enemy is at the bottom of mine. Uh, the other person that I was saying, uh, I said Harbaugh. Harbaugh, yeah, you said oh, Harbaugh. Monk, Monk, Monkin, Monkin. That's the, okay. that's the other guy because I love his offensive – I love his concepts. I mean, I think me and Zim have been pretty similar on this topic. I thought I thought something that was interesting when we was on uh, Cam Chancellor's podcast, he talked about Jim Caldwell. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that. That's another good one that we can throw in there. But I don't want to reiterate any of the same things that Zim has said. Joe Birdie, I think we're both on the same page with that. Give me somebody um, new. Give me – surprise me with somebody I've never heard you say. You got any surprises Somebody. that you either were just thinking about? Not really, bro. Like, honestly, I haven't even really, like, looked into too many other, like, young head coaches that they say are, like, the next guy um, that I can think of. I can't really – honestly, I honestly can't even think of any other ones. Like, because the guy said he wanted somebody young, and I was saying Joe Brady, and somebody just oh Lincoln that, Riley, Lincoln like Riley, Joe, yeah, yeah, all right, and I was, I, and that was what I was about to say is Joe Brady thirty one, Lincoln Riley got to be around the same age, right? Right, right, yeah, Lincoln Riley, I would, I would rock with just because he's had like so many Heisman quarterbacks that he's he's kind of coached, so I would, I would give him a shot. I mean, it seems that we're kind of trending towards moving towards like the explosive college offenses anyway. So I think he might do pretty solid in in that role as well. Looks like he's got another question here. Who's go ahead? You have he, he said Stephen Stephen Moore said Luke Fickle would be a good coach. How do you feel about Luke Fickle? Luke Fickle, that's the dude from Ohio State, right? 
No, nah, that's the, the dude. Oh, he went from Ohio State to UC. Yeah, yeah to UC. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were right here. Yeah. He's not bad. He's not a bad option. Urban Meyer would be dope. Like, that would be like home run. I don't know if he's sick or not, but like Urban Meyer would also be dope. I remember him coming to like a Bengals training camp when Marvin was the head coach. Uh, that would be dope. But I don't know what his health looks like. Yeah, remember I asked that same thing. I think that Lindsey Patterson or somebody on our interview, I was like, what's Urban Meyer's health like? Because I know he had like a heart condition where he had right. to be away from football. And they told him don't be in very, very stressful environments. Right, and this is a very stressful environment. Ain't nothing more stressful than being a coach. Exact. Right. <laughs> Who's our backup quarterback next year? Ooh. So you you let let's have you lead off with that one. Backup quarterback for next year, I would want it to be someone that's a veteran, someone that can show Joe Burrow the ropes. I think like we made a fatal mistake, and I I think I posted something this season where I said that I would take Joe Flacco. And it wasn't because, you know, I think Joe Flacco is good. I just felt like he was a guy that knew the division, knew the opponents, you know, knew the Ravens, knew the Steelers, knew the Browns, could teach Joe some things. You know, someone that seasons that has been around. I've also heard people talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I wouldn't be opposed to that either. Um, or anyone. I think Zem has talked about Cam. I wouldn't be opposed to that either. Like anyone that can come in and really give advice to Joe Burrow that's going to be valuable, like certain things that John Kitna kind of did for Carson Palmer, like little things like that. I would say any kind of veteran quarterback that can come in, like having somebody like a Ryan Finley doesn't really do much for Joe. Like it's just a I guy that doesn't bring anything. Yeah, I hope he's gone. I think I, he's gone. Yeah, I think so too. For sure. uh, what do you think about the guy that they signed uh, today, Shermer, the backup for Mahomes at one point? They signed him earlier today. If you guys haven't seen that, we're recording this on the 17th of December. But um, that's a guy that a lot of people felt really good about um, at some point said in, in camp with him, you know, just being – I've reached out to a couple of Chiefs fans. So it's a couple of people that really like this game the same way I thought. I thought Hogan was a pretty good signing, but I guess he's got like a – a bit of an injury or something where now, you know, like it's, it's looking doubtful for him. And that was the reason why I thought that they brought Shermer in there or whatever the guy's name is. Yeah, Shermer, I think someone was telling me that he's actually related to Pat Shermer. So he's like Pat Shermer, the coach's son or something like that. Right. I honestly don't know anything about him than what you just said right there, that he played for the Chiefs and that he's Pat Shermer's son. I wouldn't mind to see, like, if he does pretty solid. I actually kind of like Brandon Allen. I wouldn't be opposed to I thought to he was okay. Unpopular, unpopular opinion. I posted some uh, some throws on my story. I posted two of his throws. I just point, posted – I always post, like, eight or ten plays that I really, really like from the previous game. But one of the throws was one of the uh, ones to A.J. Green on the sideline. It was a big third down play. He was under pressure. Slight rollout, rolls out to his right, hits A.J. on the sideline, right in the nick of the time in between two defenders. Right. It wasn't, you know, like it's, it's not an everyday throw. So it's some encouraging stuff from Brandon Allen. It sucks that he's hurt because I do want to see him. Like, I want to see how how does he feel against Steelers. Because you, right. you, you know you're going to get ate up regardless. So. Right. I just want to see, like, is he so timid to the point where he can't even get into a drop back? Because we know one thing about Aaron, A.J. McCarron is that he wasn't Dalton, he wasn't elite, but he damn sure wasn't scared of Pittsburgh when it was time. Right. So anybody, like, I know you kind of talked about Cam. Is there anybody else, like, about Cam, or how can you sell them on Cam? Because I saw some people pushing back. I don't think they should, <laughs> but... I think everybody pushed back. Somebody else posted that they said we should go get OBJ. I think it was Gary Owen. So shout out to yeah. Gary Owen. 
I don't think that's the greatest side of the all time, but I'm I'm so not against that. If the, I feel like his value is at the lowest it probably will ever be. Browns are probably like, well, we've had really good success. Let's get rid of them and let's figure out a way to get out of this contract. It doesn't sound that crazy because it's, it's, it will come to work out less than AJ's current contract. But that's a whole nother story. You asked me directly about who? <laughs> the backup. Oh, Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Cam Newton would, yeah, Cam Newton would work to me because this year has humbled him. So for me, a lot of people talk about the money and stuff like that. He didn't do anything to make his value skyrocket through the through the through the roof. What he's going to be looking for is the opportunity to play the same way he was with New England. I don't think the New England Patriots go through that another year, and I don't think he would go and comfortably say he wants to be the backup. Now, what he would do is go to a team that absolutely has the opportunity to play a quarterback early in the season, as we're talking about Joe Burrow coming off his injury, be a force in the locker room. He's now a little bit older. So we know the I know the positive vibes that Cam has on a practice field and what he brings according to players I talk to and teammates that just speak out openly um, to the media. So that's not a problem. Like, I think people think that's the issue. You haven't heard one thing from him um, bad in New England. You can't fault the guy for getting COVID. I don't think he's going to demand a bunch of money. And I just think that this is a bit of an opportunity for him to audition for somebody else. And what I was talking about on the last show is like you want to take players that maybe their stock isn't that high and raise the stock instead of moving people when they have no value or getting nothing in the case of John Ross or virtually nothing for Dunlap. Cam Newton, you had the opportunity to build him up. Somebody has a freak injury or something like that. You know Joe Burrow's coming back. You can move Cam and maybe finesse him for a pick. You know, and at the very least, I feel like he, at this point in his career, he is a better locker room leader. And I think it's a stigma that's associated with him that isn't really warranted. He doesn't have any off-the-field issues. And the money thing, I think he's going to get less than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think a million teams are looking at it right now. Like, if you're – even let's say you are the Chiefs and you had the money to do it, you say, hell, yeah, I want Ryan Fitzpatrick if Mahomes go down. I know I can still win the Super Bowl. So I think Fitzpatrick's – fans are looking at it a little bit different than me. Like, I feel like because his value is so high right now, everybody's like he legitimately comes in and he's a big-time backup. They're, he's going to demand more money on the marketplace. I think Cam Newton has showed teams that he won't work with their offense. I think he could work on our offense because it's predicated on his strength right now, and that's throwing it short. He can still ha- he still has an arm, but he doesn't throw the ball accurately deep. But on short passes and getting into players in space, I think Cam would thrive in this. So Stephen Moore asks, do you think Zach Taylor will get fired? I'm gonna say I can't say for instance for for I can't say right now whether or not he's gonna get fired. I'll just say that. Um, I'm not, I will say, I don't think it's looking good for him because like his demeanor after that game, that may have meant something, but I'm not sure. I think Joe Burrow not being there actually helps his case for them to bring him back. What do you think? See, I'm kind of on the fence. I feel like, I feel like it takes him away. I feel like it exposes him. Right. Like, 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 I want it to be like that, I guess, but maybe I'm maybe the Bengals are looking at it. I posted on the thing earlier. I think you've seen it as well, too. Have y'all seen the list of the players on the IR for the Bengals this year, right? Currently, right now, and the report coming out today that Trey Waynes is not going to be playing this season under like he does, or Zach Taylor said he doesn't think he's playing this season. So they could use that as, as an excuse. But the one thing that I will say is that any success that he had was all predicated on Burrow being there. So if 
I, I don't know. That's just me. Like, like I've been saying the whole time, like you've been saying, he doesn't elevate anyone. And the fact that Burrow isn't there, how come, how come he isn't getting 70 yards out of GO instead of 40? You know, like, right. why is that part not elevated? Why is your guy, Michael Jordan, now benched? Why are the guys that were here now there? How come no one has elevated their game except maybe Jesse Bates and Carl Lawson been, been like that? And I think right. Carl Lawson would kill even more if he had another guy on the, on the other side of him that was just as lethal. No disrespect to Sam Hubbard. But, you know, like, I just don't think he's the premier pass rusher that Carl Lawson could be. But who is Zach elevated? And I think if the management is really looking there and going player by player or game by game, they'll all say all the success was based on Burrow. It's the right. same exact team as last year. What right. is different? Anybody in the comment section, 100 episodes, here's your chance. Tell me what is the difference between this year and last year besides Joe Burrow? It's the same right. struggling team that's that can't score any points for a suggested offensive guru. Exactly. So someone asked, uh, Vox2K asked, do you think we should keep Zach Taylor and fire the rest of his staff? I'm just going to say nah. Nah. No. 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 Um, next one we have is from Vox as well. He says, if we don't get Penny, do you get Jamar Chase? What do you think, sir? That's a tough question. It, it, for you, it's not right because wide receiver is not. I mean, I think I think it's still tough though, just because somebody's just trying because, to rehash that episode. Bro. Just because I think it's tough, just because Joe Burrow played with Jamar Chase, oh, so that's know. like that's yeah, like kind of different, too. right? That's kind of different, right? Because you never have been like like you're able to also get the quarterback and his number one receiver. Like that literally just never happens. So I think it is a difficult thing because it's like. They have chemistry. They've proven in the past that they won together. So it's not as if, like, if Jamar Chase was from, like, another school, then I think it's an easier question. But the fact that they, you already know that they have that connection, that's not something that you have to worry about. Like, day one, he already knows how Jamar Chase likes his routes. He already knows where to throw it to him. Um, so for me, uh -huh. I, it, it just really depends on free agency. I'll say that. Right. It depends on what we do in free agency. Free agency is going to build what those needs are in the draft. If we go into free agency – and let's say we sign a tackle, we sign a guard, we sign all these people, then, yeah, I think you definitely take a look at Jamar Chase. Do you take him at number three? Hey, I'm hey, not sure. Sure. But if you move back, I think that that's something that you would, if you are going to consider Jamar Chase, I think you will want to move back from three, stack up some picks, and then be able to go ahead and take him. What do you think, Zoom? We saying is that we, I would have said the same as I think. For me, at this point, like you said before, there's no way that they could trot out this offensive line the way that it's currently assembled and then go get a wide receiver. It just doesn't work. Right. <laughs> all good. All good. We got another one here. Um, that's KJ asks, how do you feel about the Bengals signing Jameis Winston or Cam Newton? I think Zim has already kind of given his answer for um, Cam Newton. So I'll talk about Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston could be a solid signing for this team. Uh, obviously, he's a guy that has been a starter um, could be somewhat valuable, could start some games if Joe Burrow isn't there and ready for week one. So those are my thoughts on that. Uh, Vox2K asks, do you think AJ will be a Bengals fan next year? I think he, I think you just mean, is he going to come back to the Bengals? I'm not so sure. I think we kind of talked about that on the last episode. It all depends on um, what, what we have coming back for AJ. Is there something that he's going to be intrigued about? It just really, it just really, De depends to me if it works out for him, if it works for both sides. Um, Zim, 
Someone asked before you just came back, how do you feel about the Bengals potentially signing Jameis Winston? And then the other question is, do you think AJ will be, uh, I guess, a Bengal again next season? So first part, absolutely. Uh, I will be for Jameis Winston. But again, I just, I don't know. I just, if, if it came down to like Cam or Jameis or whatever, to me, it's like all Cam. Like, I just feel like his playmaking skills and everything. Like, I feel like Jameis in this division, it just would equal a lot of picks and a lot of turnovers and a lot of turmoil. I just don't, I don't see, I don't know, but he's better than what we have. It just, I would have to see the money on, on the Jameis Winston one. Like I, he had to take like some dirt salary thing. And then I'd be like, hell yeah, why not? Because he's way better than our other options. And then for AJ Green, no, I do not feel like he'll be back. I would like to see, if somebody said this last episode, I think he would do really well on the Packers and then possibly the Texans. Those are two different options where I feel like the Texans, he would still be like their number two, number three, because remember, they're going, moving on from Will Fuller. They're probably going to draft the wide receiver early. Same kind of situation he's in now, but I just think uh, a Deshaun Watson is just going to trust him a lot more. The other one is like, go get your ring. Green Bay, he might not be the featured guy, probably end up with the same amount of yards he probably would have had here, but at least he'd be winning. It's hard to say, though. Green Bay just, you know, like they just got so many threats at wide receiver. But I just think you could fit A.J. Green in it because they do have speed. They do have guys that do opposite of what he does. So, I don't know. That's that's a tough one. But I, he wouldn't be a Bengal, though. we got a Facebook comment here from Robert Work. Will the Bengals keep the third pick in the 2021 draft or will they trade down for more picks? For me, I'm, I'm going to say I think it depends on if Panay is there. Somebody jumps up in front of them at number two and they take Panay, I think that they would trade down. Uh, it really just depends on what where they're at in, in that atmosphere. Like if they go out and sign a tackle, let's say in free agency, or they trade for one and tackle isn't a need, maybe they don't take Panay. Uh, but I think that it is possible that – I think it is a possibility that they could trade down because we've never seen them trade up, but we have seen the Bengals trade down, so I wouldn't put it past them. But I think if Panay is there, you have to, you have to like pretty much take him at number three. I think that that would be the right thing to do. What do you think, Zim? Panay is a, is a slam dunk the same way Joe Burrow is, but the impact that Panay would have on a team isn't the same impact that Joe Burrow would have on a team. And that's not to discredit what Panay brings to an offensive line or the talent that he would bring. I just don't think an offensive tackle can win you a game the same way a quarterback can win you a game. But with that said, Panay is a slam dunk to go number three. If you trade back, you can't go back any further than eight, nine. That's the mark. And by doing so, you better add another late first or something or an early second. And I don't know who has that. I don't study, like, people's picks like that. So you guys in, in the audience, you guys and girls will have to tell me, like, who has, like, a surplus of picks. And the reason why I say 8 and 20, I think, is because I believe the Dolphins have the 8 and the 20. So that, okay. would be a, that would be a scenario where I could see them trading back. If it's not something like that, you know, like, because think about it. The Dolphins will be fresh off the playoffs, say they make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And they're, like, one tackle away from being, an, you know, an elite line, and they go get somebody in free agency. That would be the mindset of, like, the Dolphins or somebody. But if they don't make the playoffs and they missing holes and stuff like that, you're not about to give up the eight and the twenty fifth. Right. So, so it has to be a almost I wouldn't say a unicorn, but a very special franchise that has like the picks that we need because the number three pick is no joke. Do yourselves a, a service and go on Google and just go look at a draft chart. The number three pick 
can get you a lot of action, buddy. Facts, facts. So we got a question here from Wayne on Facebook. He says, can we stop blaming Zach Taylor and get on the front office and ownership? No. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I had this conversation. Did I have this conversation with you maybe? But one thing that I just know in the back of my mind is I feel like we are a little bit um, – hell or, or pigeonhole by the front office and, and that's out of our control. I feel like there's there's nobody like, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos isn't coming here tomorrow to go buy the Bengals. Right. And I know that and I'm not going to come on this show and be preaching like, this is who we should get Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, like just naming billionaires to go get a new front. Like the chances that happen are very slim to me. Right. So what I do know that we can control is the narrative on how maybe reporters report how this is going or the fans are going to be putting in the comments and we're going to be doing our show. You're going to be doing your thing on YouTube so that the message is out. We don't want Zach Taylor, right? And then, you know, maybe the front office sees that we get in the coaching that we like. The same way I think the Bengals read the comments and said, we'll kill you if you don't get Joe Burrow. You know, like I do believe that there's some validity in that. So that's I, in life, you got to control what you can control. I can't go into the front office of Mike Brown or whatever, but I, I can't influence a group of people or I can't have a conversation with a group of people to talk about why I think Zach Taylor should go. And that's how we end up on coaching. And we watch coaches get fired every year on, on a specific couple of dates. And so we're just thinking that, that that's going to happen. For me, that's my, my perspective. I, I just feel like that's more logical than a big campaign on like how we can get the front office out. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Cause I mean, Duke Tobin has been here since 2000. I don't think he's going, he's going anywhere. We might be able to criticize him, but it's, it's likely that Duke Tobin is returning. So like, like Zim is saying, there's no way you're going to get front office and ownership out of there. Uh, we've got a question from Mario. I, I kind of feel bad for the front office. Don't you ever, do you ever think about that? Like, Here's a guy that gets born into, you know, into this, mm-hmm. but yet he can't fulfill his father's dream. Mm-hmm. You know, like how that would make you feel, like you know, like. And I think I think it's tough just because they're in a smaller market, so like it's easy to do that in like a New York or Chicago or something like that. But I think a lot of people also forget like this is like a family-owned business. So at the end of the day, I think like you brought up before on this channel, it's hard for them to take some money and put it in escrow for guaranteed money versus, you know, a New York team that has an ownership group where it's several billionaires that have a stake in one team versus just one. So, you know, I do kind of, I do kind of side with them on that. I don't think that it should be something where, you know, we expect them to just go all out and do all of this stuff. But at the end of the day too, they have to make smart moves that, uh, might not cost as much money, but still might be the right moves and get creative with things like that. Like when it comes to the scouting departments and stuff like that, if you have someone like PFF working for you, it's easy to kind of start utilizing some of those resources. But no, I get it. Like you said, it's it's hard to be in that that shadow of Paul Brown, uh, being an ambassador of uh, ambassador of the NFL and being able to like carry that torch. And it's it's tough. I've seen it. Even from the Lakers perspective, it's, it's crazy because the Lakers actually have a lot of parallels with the Bengals because they're a family owned team. Obviously, they're in L.A., so that helps them out a lot. But there were some weird dynamics with that where Jimmy Buss's brother, Jim Buss, 
didn't know what he was doing and like almost ran this well did run the team into the ground and it took Virginia to step in and take back over to get right. that away and try to measure it back to her dad Jim Buss's vision so it's definitely some parallels there I would really love to see what Katie Blackburn does when she gets her full grip on on this football team it's definitely an interesting dynamic it's something that I think that they can come out of I don't mean to be long-winded or anything on that but Mario asked is us Defense alignment or wide receiver in round two? Zim, what are you taking? It's, it's, it's BPA, baby. <laughs> it's BPA. If, if, the, if the wide receiver isn't T. Higgins' level falling down to the – we're talking the number three pick in the right. second round. And I'm, and I'm talking about, like, a defensive uh, lineman or wide receiver that early in the draft, they better play, like, 40, 50 snaps, like, like by week four. So, so I, like, I'm assuming you know. that this is, let's just say, for instance, we got like similar to what happened this year, right? Like AJ Vanessa is supposed to go first round. T Higgins right. is supposed to go first round. Both of them dropped to the second round. Which one, like, are you taking? Whichever one is higher, like if, if it's right. one is higher or you taking yeah, you taking whoever is the highest rated hey, player. I'm, I'm gonna take BPA. I'm gonna trust my scouts, but I'm gonna tell you this: if mm. that dude is any bit of, of, of the talent that T Higgins is. Right. I just feel like that's one thing, one last thing I don't ever have to worry about for the next three, four years for real. Right. And I knock that out and I give Joe Burrow the weapons. Like he's never in a position, even if Tyler Boyd left a year or two from now or something, right? right? He's never in a position where we just absolutely have nothing. But you have to do that at the same time. You better go get a you better go get a defensive tackle because you got DJ Reader and Tupac, who to me are the best defensive guys right now on, on the front. Like right. me personally, I'm not counting Lawson and Hubbard on the edge, but uh, those two, they better come back like healthy and you got to go get somebody else again. Cause Mike Daniels, I, I like Mike Daniels. I like Covington, but you don't have a three tech that can rush the passer. And at that early in the draft, it better be somebody that can rush the passer and stop the run. Right. And they better be ready to play right away. And if the guy ain't that, and it's like a project, and it's a Malik Jefferson third-round type project type guy or something like that, and we're basing it off of this what we think he might do, nah, that's a hard pass for me. I'm going wide receiver, but we better go get the defensive guy in free agency or figure out a trade or something because the trenches have to be fixed on both sides of the ball, and I think that's the theme for this upcoming offseason. In the middle of that, if I can get some some playmakers for Joe, I want to do it too, but – like Ace has been saying all along, you, you can no longer uh, ignore the elephant in the room. So you have to go address those things if you're going to go make moves like that with a wide receiver or a playmaker. Yeah, I think, it, like you said, I think it depends on, you know, what can this person bring to me? Because I think it's kind of hard to find a defense alignment, honestly, in the second round outside of Carlos Dunlap that I can think of that comes to mind that was like a first round kind of talent. But you've already seen wide receivers that go around to that have been first round kind of talent. So I think it just really depends on what you do in free agency, what you what your draft needs are, um, and who's the higher person on the board. If it's if it's someone that you can't pass up on, like a T. Higgins, then you take it and you figure it out later. Maybe if, even if you take him at that position, maybe you trade in the next round for that decent that defensive lineman, something that the Bengals haven't done. So maybe it's something like like that or you know however they go about it. Then you also have to think too, there's always going to be trading camp cuts and stuff like that so you know you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do at that situation 
Uh, so somebody says, I think we hold on, hold on. before you ask the next question, Ace, I just thought about this. We're in the mm-hmm. middle of the show, probably about right now. I, I'm gonna I'm a throw a, I'm gonna throw a curveball at you real quick. Okay. I'm gonna see if you can hit this one out of our. Okay. I want to because this is the hundredth episode, and I just tweeted this out that it's the hundred. This is a fan appreciation night. Right. I want to give someone a Burrow Babies. Damn, I ain't had a hat with me right now. I want to give somebody a Burrow Baby shirt right now tonight. But you got to, before this episode is over, you got to figure out a trivia question because I'm not even going to lie. I had one, but I asked somebody and it guessed it too easy. So I was like, nah, um, scratch that. Okay. You, you got to come up with a trivia or something or we can get somebody in the crowd to kind of give us an idea on what we should ask or, you know, something like that. I, I, can, I, I have one trivia question, but I don't think it's that good. I have one I, I'm thinking of, and this may be unfair to uh, to uh, new Bengals fans, but if you were not watching... Not, bring it on. Let's get it on. you were watching around, I think it was the 2000s. Hold on, hold on. This was, is the question right here? Yeah, this is the question right here. All right, here. so whoever answers this question correctly first... I'm gonna be looking on my screen. I got the live. I'm in a live YouTube on my phone right now. Whoever answers it first, I don't care who answers second or third correctly first, and you see it or whatever. Um, let me know. All right, this is the question, and I'm I'm hoping that I remember this correctly. So we're gonna say from year 2000 until now, which Bengals cornerback had the most interceptions in a season? Repeat so, that question again. Let's hear it one more time. From year 2000 until 2020, which Bengals cornerback had the most interceptions in one season? Let's see if they get it. I think it's who I am, who I'm thinking of, but I'm going to see if they get it. I got at 835, I got one. So I'm looking at the time stamps. I, oh, okay. No, it's in the, it's in the same order. All right. I'm actually, if if you don't mind, Zim, can you see the comments in terms of like the mm-hmm. questions and stuff? Ask some other questions. I'm just gonna check to make sure I got this right. All right. All right. So while we're waiting on that, y'all can still chime in who y'all think. It doesn't really matter. I think the person already guessed it. I think somebody I, I, did I, guess it. I think I saw that one. I think I saw it right now. Okay. Uh, K Rose said they need to go get a real GM. Make this offseason effective. No more Duke Tobin, mom and pop moves. Um, if you've been watching this show before, Ace is a lot harder on Duke Tobin than myself. I'll give him an option after he's looking at all these questions or, I mean, looking at the research thing. I'll give him an opportunity to answer it. But for me, Duke Tobin hasn't – last year, I don't even fault him against it. They were on a, on a rush. I don't really feel like that was a bad thing. This upcoming – this draft that we just had was a pretty solid one. Big playing time from different guys. He's drafted a lot of people, but we are in a what-have-you-done-lately league. You can make a case for a GM and just from a – I think that's part of the culture that Zach talks about is that from a GM perspective, things in place such as the practice field and different things like that. And I'm thinking more more so a, a, a organizational thing where there's less guessing in the building and everybody's on one thing. I feel like when you talk about like some of the franchises that do really, really well, like the Patriots, it's like the Patriot way. All the players come in. They go out. They they tell the same exact message on what they are what they were asked to do on how they got a Super Bowl, and that's part of good GM work. That's part of having a really really good coach. So, I uh, 
I'm not 100% sold on Duke Tobin. If they show me a GM and that whole that whole part uh, of for the for the Bengals franchise, I'll be all for it. So we got a we got a winner. It was pretty fast. It was pretty fast. But the it's first person guy. I saw, the first thing I saw was Delta O'Neill. That's the first. It person. is Delta O'Neill. It is oh. Delta O'Neill. I actually thought it was Tory James, but it's Delta O'Neill. Okay. So the answer is Delta O'Neill. It looks like the first person that said Delta O'Neill was my guy Melly. He said right. Delta O'Neill. So Melly, uh, I don't know if you have Instagram, but you're gonna have to DM me on Instagram or uh, message me on Twitter. Or or at me on something so I could just see it. I seen a lot of Leon Halls. I was kind of thrown off by that. I seen Reggie a couple times. I seen Pac-Man, Tory James. Somebody, somebody guessed Sims. <laughs> LaShawn Sims. LaShawn Sims. Y'all funny. All right. So congrats to Melly on a uh, hundred episode night winning a free Burrow baby shirt. Just send me the size. I hope I got it in stock. <laughs> What's the name? Oh, someone asked while you were looking that up. Um they were saying, um, what do you feel about Duke Tobin? We need a GM or, you know, what's your overall thoughts on Duke Tobin? I, I think you guys know how I feel about Duke Tobin. I think that they should they should try to – I feel like the only reason that I would come at Duke Tobin is just because since 2016 until now, the offensive line has been an issue. And I, I don't think that you can really point at Zach and say that it's the issue because it's kind of spanned two different coaching eras. Um, so that's why I kind of say Duke Tobin. He still had a great draft this last draft. But I think if you look at 20, 2019, 2018, 2017, and 2016, and you look around, I think uh, I was listening to Locked On Bengals, and they were talking about how the, the division has drafted better than us in some of those recent drafts as well. I think that's where you can get critical of him. Uh, but it's certain other things that I would like to see from him, such as trades and stuff like that. It's like rare when the Bengals do a trade. It's almost like I don't know. It's like a once every five years kind of thing in terms of like a player for a specific player or something like that. Um, so I like to see more of that. But realistically, like I said earlier in the show, he's been here since the year 2000. Um, when you do do that, you could get the wrong guy. You could get the Zach Taylor of GMs when you had the Marvin Lewis of GMs and Duke Tobins. So it's, it's always a risk. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't be opposed, but it would have to be for somebody like um, that you would that you would want to actually bring in that's established, like uh, John Dorsey. I think somebody talked about him. John Dorsey would be somebody that I be, I would be willing to take that risk on to bring in. Um, we got a super chat here from Brad Rupert. He says, "Do you really think Winston or Newton would could play better in Cincinnati with our system and culture over the clearly better systems and cultural environments they are already in?" That's hard to say because you don't know who the coach is. If it's a brand new coach that's coming in. And let's just say it's Jay Gruden or let's just say it's Darren Simmons. You know, it might be a different culture that they have here. It really just depends if they really like football. The culture for the Bengals, I think if there is one, it's a team full of guys that love the game of football. It's not about the off the field stuff. It's not about any of that. And you guys here, when we bring these guys on, most of them love football. Like it's it's a football thing. So, I mean, it just depends. But Zen, what do you think about, about that one? I feel like we've talked about Winston and Newton a lot, but – in regards to what he said, is there anything that you have to add on that? I feel like at this stage in both of their careers, they're ready to be to embrace a little bit of that mental role. But what you want, and I and I had tweeted this one time, you want your backups to want to be starters. I don't want guys that are like comfortable being backups. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I feel like he's comfortable. He's a unicorn of a backup in itself. Ryan Fitzpatrick 
he's comfortable being a backup because he embraces the role and he's he just loves coming off the bench just slanging. You know what I'm saying? Like that, and it's probably fun as hell to him. And that's a special, unique person. You know, like he could do it here, right? But I think Jameis Winston and Cam Newton still believe. I, just like I'm probably, if you probably ask RG three, could he start for an NFL team? I think he really wants to start for a team. I think so many people are so caught up with just the idea of like, let's go get Mike Glennon. Like Mike Glennon doesn't want to. You don't want no smoke with Pittsburgh. Like y'all gotta get real out here. Like who want? Who really, really wants it? And you know Cam Newton wants to prove to everybody that he is who he thinks he is when he looks in the mirror. And I, I just think that doesn't hurt him from being a leader. People talk about this stuff about, like, Joe Burrow. James Winston the same way. People talk about Joe Burrow doesn't need that pressure in his room. Look at me. Joe Burrow don't care about nobody behind him. That's that's QB1. You know, like, we got to get out of that whole thing. Like, I, I, not to throw shots at Dalton, who just kicked our ass the other day. Maybe Dalton might have cared who was behind him. But Joe Burrow does not care. He's taking every rep. It doesn't care. He's going to have fun with that dude. He's going to talk to him. And he's he's a real he's a real person. Like, let's just leave it at that. I just don't think that, um, you know. I, I want to say this, too, about Joe Burrow. So many people say it so conveniently. That Joe Burrow, that, uh, hey man, I would just bitch Joe Burrow for eight, nine weeks. That sounds like a good plan. But when Joe Burrow has the same doctor as Tom Brady, the same uh, doctor as Saquon Barkley, and that doctor, and he gets cleared to play like 2021, week one or week two or week three, you think he's going to stand on a clipboard, like no. with a clipboard, and just no. accept that? No. Hell no. Like, that sounds good. Like, that sounds like for somebody that doesn't really want to be out there, they'd be like, okay, coach, let me hold a clipboard and I'll just hold it down right here and I'll, and I'll check out all the plays and I'll make sure we look good when we look at it. No, Joe Burrow, it would be eating him alive. He wouldn't even show up to the sideline or anything if you dare try to bench him. Think about when AJ Green, when they tried to bench AJ Green. He didn't want no parts of that. And that's what dogs do. So, this notion that he's going to be. Just like, oh, all right, yeah, eight, nine weeks because I'm the future of the franchise, no problem. Nah, he doesn't think like that. He's a ball player, bro. Like, when he's ready to play, he'll play. And Jameis Winston and Cam Newton ain't scaring him. He's only like – he's like, man, these are two dudes. Cam is an MVP that went to a Super Bowl. This dude can tell me something that I didn't know, and I have the honor of playing next to this guy who actually did what I'm trying to accomplish. People got to stop looking at perceptions and what they think or say you don't like somebody or not. I think I'd probably meet Cam Newton. He'd probably be an asshole and a jerk towards me. But that doesn't mean that I don't want him on my football team. I could be wrong. Me and him might be cool as hell. I don't think he's probably the nicest guy in the world. I don't give a shit either. I want to win football games. No, facts, facts. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and get this wrapped up. We appreciate you guys, all of the love, all of everything. Melly, he said he just DM'd you on Instagram, so be sure to – be sure to uh, follow up with Zim so you can get that Zim Hooday Burrow Babies hoodie at ZimHooday.com. Appreciate you guys for supporting all of us. You can follow Zim on Instagram at Zim underscore Hooday. You can follow him on Twitter at Zim Hooday. Come join us as he's pointing to right there. Um, and then you can find me on New Stripe City on YouTube and on Twitter. Zim, was there anything that you wanted to say to the people before we wrap? Keep on rocking in the free world. <laughs> hey, you know my man. Uh, if you know uh, Narwhal, shout out to Narwhal. I don't know why I just did that, but Narwhal is like, 
the greatest interview of all time. He has nothing to do with this show, but I just love that guy. And he always says, keep on rocking in the free world. But anyway, yeah, keep on rocking the free world. Appreciate you guys for joining 100 episodes. Shout out to Melly for getting the, uh, the question right. Please follow my partner, Ace, on YouTube at New Stripe City. Please make sure you get a cup from New Stripe City immediately. Make sure you go ahead and support him. Yeah, there's a cup. There it is. No better way to drink some damn coffee in the morning with a New Stripe City cup. So let's make sure we get back to something else with this Steelers game on Monday. <laughs> we didn't even have to talk about the game. We don't, don't need to. Not on hundred episode. Not on hundred episode. We're not talking about. We're not talking about that team on the hundred episode. We can't right. talk about it. Right, right, right. <laughs> I I don't want to talk about it. So good luck to that <laughs> Monday night. We are we going to do another show before the game, or are we going to just let it ride? We, I'm, I'm down to let it ride. I'm down to do a if show. Y'all want show if y'all want a show before the Steelers game, if y'all want any thoughts on the Steelers game, hit me up. Hit Ace up on Twitter, New Strike City, Zim If we, Day, no if we get enough mentions, we'll do one. We'll do one. If we do mentions, yeah, we get enough. I ain't going to say the number. We get enough. I, I'll <laughs> definitely do a 20-minute a show on how the Pittsburgh Steelers will kick our ass, I guess. I don't know. Like, what's this show about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Tune in. Um, Supporting Orange is the New Black. Sensi Jungle. Appreciate you guys for giving us this opportunity. And we have many bright episodes ahead. Who that? Who that? Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? I <laughs> ball and had a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.